Well, Formula One is heading to the United States. It's one of three races in the U.S. on the calendar, and it starts their American tour with the second running of the Miami Grand Prix. Now, last year, Miami was the place to be. It was a race filled with high-priced tickets, South Florida celebrities, a fast racetrack, hot and humid weather, and Max Verstappen won the inaugural Grand Prix around Hard Rock Stadium. So what will the 2023 version produced this weekend? Well, that's what we're here for. It's the Miami Grand Prix preview. It's the Overtake F1 podcast. I'm Tony Desiri. Thanks for joining us. So we're going to get into the five things we're going to be looking for. We're going to take a look at the circuit, have some thoughts on the Miami Grand Prix, and then we're going to get into our top five and bottom five from last weekend's race in Azerbaijan. But if you have yet to subscribe to the podcast, I hope you will. I hope you leave us a five-star review. It really helps us. I know we get asked. You get asked this on every podcast, but it really does help the algorithms to help us grow. We're in our third season, so I hope you'll uh, do us a favor and subscribe and also leave us a five-star review. All right, so let's get started. The Miami Grand Prix, it's only the second running, so we don't have a lot to go off of in terms of its presence and its history. It's only the second time that we've seen this thing. Now, as many of you know, I'm an American sports talk show host. I'm an American media member that it's covered motorsports for a very long time. And so I've seen an opportunity to do this podcast in a growing atmosphere of Formula One here in the country. I followed Formula One for a long time. I've been covering motorsports for a long time. And the reason I started this podcast was because the growth was too much to ignore. It was starting to come to my friends. Some family members were all pitching in and telling me how much they were into Formula One due to Drive to Survive. And I'm seeing it almost on a daily basis where more and more people, more and more friends of mine on social media are starting to acknowledge that they're curious or interested in knowing this sport a little bit more. Does that mean I'm all in on the Miami Grand Prix? Not really, because we've only had one race. And to be honest with you, it was somewhat forgettable, despite the fact that it was the inaugural running. The race itself, won by Max Verstappen, was pretty predictable, given the straight line speed of Red Bull that year the long straight on the back end of the circuit producing a powerful DRS for Red Bull. So it was pretty predictable. It wasn't exactly the most memorable or thrilling race on the 2022 calendar, but nevertheless, it was a showcase for the sport in the United States. Now, was it all the glitz and glamour of South Beach and running near the ocean and everything else you think of when you think of Miami? No, it was pretty much run through a parking lot and a couple of roads around a football stadium in a not-so-great part of town. That's basically what the Miami Grand Prix was. Nevertheless, celebrities came in. They had fun with the fake water. It's tried to be more glamorous than it actually was, and this year, it's the second running. Do people want to go be part of that again, or was one year good enough? That's what we'll end up seeing this weekend. But as far as racing goes, this is a 2023 season that's got two questions. And one is anybody couldn't catch Red Bull the team? Very unlikely. Could we have Sergio Perez catch Max Verstappen and win the world championship? Well, that's the number one thing we're going to watch out for for the for the Miami Grand Prix. And that is Sergio Perez, the king of the street circuit. Yes, it's a parking lot slash road. It's a street circuit, though, Miami Grand Prix. And Sergio Perez is the king of the street circuits. He not only won the sprint race, he won the Grand Prix in Azerbaijan. He's got two wins on the season, winning in Jeddah. He is right behind Verstappen in the world championship standings by six points. He has a a feeling of confidence that he can be a world champion, that if he didn't have the issues in Melbourne, he'd be on top of the world championship in points. And he probably is right. 
Red Bull says both drivers are free to pursue the championship. They're not going to favor Verstappen. But does that mean Sergio Perez is a legitimate world championship contender? We're only four races into the 23-race season. Is it too early to make that proclamation? Well, I had a chance to talk to Chris Mendlin, F1 correspondent on my radio show Thursday. He said, yeah, today, of course, six points back, he is. But he also thinks that once this series heads into traditional circuits, especially in Europe, Verstappen is going to start pulling away. And once he builds himself a comfortable lead, it's going to be really hard to catch him outside of a couple of DNFs. That you're not just going to consistently beat Verstappen on track to keep accumulating points that you're going to need to overcome a particular deficit. So Sergio Perez right now is the more interesting topic because he's something different. We had a great Hamilton-Verstappen battle in 2021 and then a dominating season for Verstappen in 2022. And this season, we're always looking for something else. And right now, that something else is Sergio Perez. But as far as the Miami Grand Prix is concerned... You're talking about a very, very confident driver who's driving the Red Bull car, the best in the grid, and he believes he could be world champion. It's a street circuit. He is the king of the street circuits. This could be a very interesting Miami Grand Prix because a win, a fastest lap, a P2 for Verstappen or worse, and Sergio Perez will be the points leader leaving Miami. So that's the number one thing I'm watching for the Miami Grand Prix is Sergio Perez and how he does in around the Hard Rock Stadium. Number two is going to be the atmosphere and the weather. And these kind of go hand in hand, but they're not directly related. Let's get to the weather first. The forecast, it's going to be hot and humid. We know that. It's South Florida and it's in May. It's going to be hot and humid. But there are predictions that there could be rain showers coming in on Sunday for the Grand Prix. Now, when it rains in South Florida this time of year, it can really rain. You can flood. It's It can be really treacherous. So... This could be a Japan situation where there might be enough time to squeeze in a race. It might be a very shortened race. All of those things are in play if we get rain showers. Now, one of the other aspects of South Florida weather is sometimes the predictability of showers don't always come to fruition or it comes later than you think or a little earlier than you think. So while they may be predicting some rain showers in the afternoon, that might not come on to later. It might hold off. But we know it's going to be hot and humid. And if the sun is out by any means, we could get the situation last year where interact temperatures were explosively hot. We saw tire degradation. And you know what kind of problems that could lead to in a Grand Prix. The second thing of this number two thing to watch out for is the atmosphere. Now, this is something I'm more curious about than maybe you are. But I'm pointing it out because last year, Miami was the place to be. I mean, it was. Everybody wanted to go to the Miami Grand Prix, at least here in the United States. Every F1 fan I know was trying to get down there and they were willing to pay thousands of dollars to do so. And for not good seats, it was a fear of missing out. That's the best way it's been described. The fear of missing out in an age of Instagram and Snapchat, it was the place to be. Everybody was there. So you needed to be there, right? That's sort of the mentality of why people emptied out savings accounts to go to the Miami Grand Prix. It's an inaugural year. Celebrities are there. It's, it's exciting. It's an inaugural race. We get it. And there were new fans who knew they could get down to Miami for this. But the reality of it is, the second running is not as exciting as the first. And as of Thursday, prior to the Grand Prix weekend, the race hasn't sold out yet. I know it will be sold out when it's all said and done. That's usually how these things go. You know, at, at the end, if you live in that area, the excitement and the surrounding atmosphere starts to build up and you feel like, you know what, L let's get tickets and go. 
So I know it will be sold out at the time of the Grand Prix, but it is concerning that a couple of days before they're sending emails out to people who went last year, wondering if they would buy tickets for this year. Is that going to get worse as the years progress? I hope we don't see a decline in an interest in Formula One in the United States, meaning, you know, I was interested in that back in 2020, but once my life got back to normal and all the sports got back to normal and there were too many other things to pay attention to, yeah, I had a brief brief experience with Formula One back in the day. I hope that's not the case. I hope that's not the case. And it doesn't feel like it is by any means, but it was concerning to see that in the second running, the Miami Grand Prix couldn't sell out. It just, it just seemed a little concerning to me. So atmosphere may not be on one of your lists of things to watch for, but as a media guy here in the United States, it is a story. All right, with that out of the way, the third thing to watch out for is Logan Sargent. We saw this in Melbourne. Oscar Piastri was the rookie. He grew up 10 minutes away from Albert Park, and he got points. His first F1 points were in Melbourne. Super special. Can't take that away. I mean, it's just something memorable. Wherever, if he wins world championships or never wins world championships, if he wins 10 races or he wins zero, he'll always remember that first home Grand Prix as a Formula One driver and the fact that he was able to accumulate points for himself and McLaren. So can Logan Sargent do the same thing for Williams? Can he get his first career points and points for his team at his home Grand Prix? He's the only American on the grid. He's the first since Alexander Rossi in 2015. He was born in Fort Lauderdale and he becomes the driver that new fans in the United States can root for if they're looking for somebody to root for. It's sort of easy to go with the flag. We see it all around the world with drivers of all nationalities. But the question that I have is this. If you are a new Formula One fan in the United States, meaning you just got into the sport, say, two years ago or maybe even last year, do you naturally go to Logan Sargent or do other drivers, even if they're not from the United States, are more appealing? Does rooting for Max Verstappen and Red Bull Racing, even if it's Sergio Perez, is that appealing? Do you like George Russell, Lewis Hamilton? Does anybody else on the grid sort of covey favor with you because of their driving style or their personality? Maybe you were a Daniel Ricciardo fan because he was funny. Maybe you root for Haas, not because it's an American team, but because Gunther Steiner is hilarious, absolutely hilarious, and a great personality for the sport. There's many reasons why people in the United States will root for guys that don't wave the flag of the United States of America. Does Logan Sargent, by default, become the one that new American fans root for? I openly wondered about this on other podcasts. Would Americans root for a driver on a team? And at the time, we were kind of flirting with the idea that it was Colton Herta. If you just put him on a backmarker team and he was never competitive, if he didn't get points, he wasn't fighting for points. And to be honest, I don't think we would. I think I think there is a natural appeal for American fans to root for Verstappen or to root for uh, even a George Russell or to root for a Charles Leclerc and Ferrari. I think they want something invested in when they wake up in the early morning hours to watch Grand Prix around the world, that they want to watch something that's competitive and they, they could root for rather than just because he's an American driver. But if he's running 16th every week, I, I just don't think that's where fans of this sport who are going to have to be committed to this sport are really interested in, in putting their allegiances. Don't get me wrong. If Logan Sargent uh, finishes fifth in a Grand Prix, I mean, it, be, people in the United States will be genuinely happy. But I don't think they would buy the gear just because he's an American. They would buy the gear if he was an American and he was competitive. And down the road, we'll see where his career goes.
All right, number four of the things to watch out for for the Miami Grand Prix, and it involves two teams, and it's McLaren and Alpine. And can they get their act together? Especially Alpine, back-to-back races in which neither driver scored a point. It was a disaster in Australia where they were running near the front in the points, and then they collided with each other on that final restart. Both of them were out of the Grand Prix. And then at Azerbaijan, it just did not work. Esteban Ocon started from the pit lane, tried to make a hard tire run, last all the way to the end hoping for the safety car. It didn't come through. Pierre Gasly didn't have a good run either. So Alpine has got six total points on the season. And this is these are two good young drivers. Both of them have Formula One victories under their belt at one point in their career. Now, as for McLaren, we're starting to see a little bit of life from this team. I know Azerbaijan wasn't exactly the most thrilling finish for them. I mean, they had to get by Nico Hulkenberg, but Oscar Piastri does have some points. Lando Norris is starting to pick up points. They had upgrades. It didn't really showcase as much in Azerbaijan, although they said that they were getting better better value from those upgrades. Now, we might really see it this weekend in Miami. So McLaren, who got off to a very, very slow start, not only a slow start, an awful start in the first two races of the season are are starting to show a little bit of life over the last few Grand Prix. So let's see how the upgrades are going to work for them in Miami. But these were two teams they battled against each other last year. Uh, But again, Alpine just hasn't been in the fight in the first four races of the season. Two talented drivers. Let's see if they can start picking up a little bit. And for McLaren, there was a lot of expectations of what a team of Oscar Piastri and Lando Norris could do because Daniel Ricciardo was failing to get everything out of his car as he could last season, and they felt like Piastri would be able to squeeze out some things. Again, got some points, but they need to do better. Miami could really kickstart a season for both of them to get back into the comfortable, more respectable finishes in the uh, Constructors' standings. And the final thing to watch out for for the Miami Grand Prix is the podium. Who's going to be the third guy or who's going to be the second guy? Because this year in three of the four races, Red Bull has gone one, two in Bahrain, in Saudi Arabia and in Azerbaijan. Australia was Lewis Hamilton and Fernando Alonso behind Max Verstappen. So we had a good little mix up there. But if Red Bull continues to dominate, we'll probably see a Verstappen-Perez combination on the podium. But who could be the third guy now? Does Charles Leclerc's finish in Azerbaijan kickstart his season as he tries to climb his way back into respectability? What about George Russell? Is he due for a podium at any point now? Not a good run in Baku, but he has shown some real life in that Mercedes this season. What about Carlos Sainz? So Miami might open the door up for a different face on the podium. Again, Red Bull can only occupy two spots, so who could be the third one? And if you're conceding that Red Bull was likely going to win the Constructors' Championship this year, that battle for the second place with Aston Martin, Mercedes trying to get in there, Ferrari trying to get a season on track after a good showing in Azerbaijan. So who is going to be on that podium at the end outside of one or two Red Bull drivers that are almost guaranteed to be there, barring some sort of unbelievable engine failure on both cars? All right, so those are the five things to watch for in the Miami Grand Prix. Let's get to track talk. We go over the circuit, give you some of the strategical elements, tire situation, all of that. This is only the second running of the Miami Grand Prix. There's not a lot of history to go by in terms of track records or how the track is performed under certain circumstances. So, for example, if it does rain, as I mentioned before, and it rains in South Florida when it rains, remember this track flooded not that long ago, but I don't think that I don't think we're going to see that by any means. But if it does rain, how will it play? 
play out on the circuit. Last year, if you remember, this race was bumpy and the track really took a beating. It also was breaking up a little bit in places and it kind of led to a few driver mistakes. While this pomp and circumstance of the atmosphere didn't really play into that, if you really were watching it for the racing, you noticed that. I mean, you really noticed that, that there were situations where that track wasn't exactly holding up very well. They did see that and they did get this track repaved. So we'll see what this does for the Grand Prix. There might be better opportunities to limit those mistakes, better racing, better grip, et cetera, et cetera. Now, as for the track design itself, if you're not familiar with this circuit, maybe you missed out last year on watching the Miami Grand Prix, and maybe this is your first go around. This track is really fast. That's a short run to turn one right off the grid. It requires some really hard braking to make a right-hander. And after that, you're right off the, right through the gears in acceleration to some sweeping S corners before you then have to go back on the brakes at turn six as the car has moved left in low gear and then it's right back on the acceleration again because the first DRS zone is coming after turn 9. There is a turn 10 which is just a quick flick to the right then turns 11 through 16. This is where you get to the trickiest part of the circuit. It's kind of a series of back and forths but you're doing them in low gear. You're kind of going underneath the overpass. You got to watch for the curb. Cars were kind of going over that curb and almost jumping it a little bit. It kind of led to some dangerous uh, situations. Nevertheless once you make that hard left-hand turn, um, then you hit to the straight, and it's the long straight, and this is where DRS kicks in again, and this is going to be where it is super, super powerful. We saw it on display last year when... Charles Leclerc led from pole position, but it was a matter of time before Verstappen was able to overtake him down that straight with a much faster car during in straight line speed. By the way, people have pointed out to this Grand Prix, I know Max Verstappen won at Imola coming off of Australia, but people pointed to this one as this is when Red Bull was really kicking it in for the 2022 season. This is where you started to see Charles Leclerc who had a nice lead after round three in Australia. This is when you kind of thought, uh, this could be trouble. Red Bull is really, really on a roll now, especially seeing what that car was doing in Miami. So right after that long straight, you go into turn 17. That's going to be a hard turn to the left. Then after that, it's like two quick little sweeping corners to the start finish line. And that's where during the Grand Prix, once you get, get off of that final turn, turn 19, you're in the third DRS zone leading into turn number one. So like I said, speed, you're going to go over 200 miles an hour down that back stretch. you got really sweeping S turns that are going to allow you to really generate some speed. So this is again, a very, very fast circuit. It'll run 57 laps. It runs 57 laps, 5.4 kilometers, 3.3 miles, 19 corners around Hard Rock Stadium, the home of the Miami Dolphins and the Miami Hurricanes. There are places to overtake with the long straight where the DRS is going to be huge advantage where you'll see it the most. Uh, last season, there was a one-stop strategy for teams, medium to the hard compounds. Pirelli bring, bringing the mid-range tires, C2 for the hard, C3 for the medium, C4 for the softs. Really high temperatures, as I mentioned before, uh, for set for this weekend. Tire degradation could be an issue. One other note, of, of all the attention that is going on around this Grand Prix in the city of Miami, there are two other major sporting events that are going to be going on this weekend. One, the Florida Panthers are going to be playing Game 3 of their Stanley Cup playoff series on Sunday afternoon. That's in Sunrise. It's about 30 minutes away, but downtown at the American Airlines Arena, it's going to be the Knicks and the Heat are going to be continuing a playoff series. I believe Game 3 of that is going to be on Friday, and I think Game 4 of that is on Sunday as well. Well, so there's a lot of sports 
other than the Grand Prix going on in Miami. The Marlins, the local Major League Baseball team, is out of town this weekend, but there is going to be a lot of media attention in town for those two events, and maybe by some sort of blending in, you might have some like Formula One coverage with all of what's going on um, in sports-wise in South Florida. All right, let's get to top five and bottom five from Azerbaijan. This will be pretty quick, uh, but I got to start with the bottom five first, and again, I always say this, these could be anything. This could be teams, drivers, of course, and any other events that are going on could be the track could be weather could be anything but i give you the best and worst from the previous race and the first thing out of the gate for the bottom five i should have moved this up but i just wanted to get it out of the way i'm giving it to the fia the pit lane debacle that could have been really tragic esteban Ocon coming in on the last lap to get tires so he can make that mandatory pit stop for whatever reason nobody seemed to know this nobody seemed to remember this they then said here goes start setting up park ferme start setting up the celebration and people were out on pit lane when Alpine had to make one more pit. This was bad. They did apologize to Ocon. They're trying to put things in place to not let this happen again. There was a photographer who was there at the time said, man, it looked, it was way worse on TV and in pictures than it actually was. He had great braking. He had the car completely under control. That's not the point. Things can happen in a car. Things can break down. You just don't risk it. It, it to say that it wasn't a big deal. Yeah, it may not have been a big deal because it might have been under control. It's just the overall circumstance. Pay attention when a guy has to make his final pit stop before you start sending people out to start putting up celebratory pit lane. It's, it was a mess. That should have never happened, even if the situation was way, way, way more calm than it actually looked on TV. All right, number four. Alpine. Rough day for Ocon, but he was trying to make a unique strategy work, the Hail Mary strategy. Had to start from the pit lane. Pretty much the only thing you're going to do is get on the hard tires and go to the very end. If a safety car comes out late, you win, but it did not come out. Pierre Gasly had a terrible run, too. Now this is the second straight race without any points. This is going to get tense. It's going to get frustrating if they don't start pulling things together. Could do so this weekend. This is too good of a team with two good drivers that shouldn't be muddled in messes and disasters. And right now the season has been that for both Ocon and Gasly. Number three on my bottom five was Nick DeVries. I don't know if I should pat him on the back for this or sort of put him in the bottom five. So I just put him in the bottom five. He hasn't really popped in his rookie season. And I know that there's a lot of talk about Oscar Piastri getting points and Logan Sargent seems to be getting a pass, but Nick DeVries just hasn't popped. He, he was really impressive in that one outing he had for Williams and Monza, and it just hasn't been four races in anything to write home about. That's okay. He's a rookie. He's going to make some mistakes. But the reason I was going to pat him on the back is because his spin out was the one safety car that came out at Azerbaijan, and it really became the story of the race. Verstappen had the lead. He went into the pits. The safety car came out. He lost the advantage of pitting at that particular point. Sergio Perez then had the lead and kept that lead all the way through the rest of the Grand Prix. If you don't have Nick DeVries spin, unlikely you'd find another safety car because we didn't have one. So the story became sort of the, the bad luck pit stop for Max Verstappen, and it became it was because of Nick DeVries. Uh, number two on the bottom five was George Russell. That was an eighth-place finish, and he should have done better. Had that contact with Max Verstappen in the sprint race on Saturday, something he didn't think was a big deal. Verstappen thought it was a huge deal. It uh, wasn't a good showing for him. He, Mercedes needs to have these guys running near the top five if they can, right? Obviously, and George Russell didn't get enough out of that machine, kind of struggled with it through the day. 
And number one was Valtteri Botas. This guy pitted three times. This guy never found a rhythm to the car. The Alpha Romeo should have been, uh, should be in the bottom five because Joe Guan Yu had to retire. But Valtteri Botas, his day was a complete and utter disaster. So there's the bottom five of this race. Now the top five. And I'm going to start with Yuki Sonoda. Yuki Sonoda is having a good season, folks. I know you're not paying attention, but he's having a good season. Uh, he finished 10th. And it was a good 10th place finish. He's completing races. He's not a mess like he was in his first season. And Yuki Tsunoda has to be the leader of this team now with Nick DeVries, his teammate, being the rookie that's not popping. Um, he's really holding on. First four races in. It's been a good season so far for Yuki Tsunoda in the Alpha Tauri. Number four, Fernando Alonso. This was his best finish in Azerbaijan. Now, he didn't get to the podium, but that's all right. You're not going to get to the podium all the time. But on a day where you're not going to get the podium, get fourth. And he got fourth. And uh, he, he was able to beat out Carlos Sainz. So he did sort of the Ferrari sandwich. And Fernando Alonso continues to love the life of 2023. Uh, third is Max Verstappen. He did earn a P2, but this was a race was his. He should have won this thing. But... This happens in Formula One, and this is kind of the reason why we always can't guarantee a win because we'd love to, but that racing doesn't allow for just the best of the best. To, you need circumstances. Max Verstappen should have won this thing going away, but because he pitted at the wrong time and a safety car came out, he didn't win, and that's something way beyond his control. That's the beauty of motorsports. Sometimes your engine just fails, and sometimes you pit just before the safety car comes out, and you end up losing the advantage of that particular pit stop. Nevertheless, he turned it into a P2. He still leads the world championship. Yep, Sergio Perez is right behind him with six points, but a good finish for Max Verstappen. And number two, I got to give it to Charles Leclerc, man. I, I've been waiting for this season to kind of kickstart for Leclerc. This could be it. He was on pole for the sprint race. He was on pole for the Grand Prix. He finished third in the Grand Prix. He finished second in the sprint race. For Matt, Charles Leclerc it needs to have something good happen to him. Such a mess of a season. Miami could change some things for the Ferrari driver, and I hope it does. I want Ferrari back into the conversation for the constructors' race in the P2, P3, P4 category. Right now, they've kind of been sulking along this season in a woe is me, everything's going wrong kind of way. Uh, number one, of course, Sergio Perez. The king of the streets was king of the streets. And uh, Sergio Perez picks up his sixth win. And I've said this in the podcast in the review of the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. It feels like every time he wins, we go, that's the best win of his career. Right? Singapore was a fantastic win last year. Jeddah was a good win this year. Um, Secure Grand Prix, his first win was something really special too. But every time he wins a race... And we feel like it's the best showing that he's had when he's on top of the podium. But this win is super important because it gives him the confidence that he can win a championship. He is not looking at it in a realistic lens of, well, in the end, Verstappen. He doesn't believe in any of that stuff. He believes that when push comes to shove, he can take it to Verstappen and he can beat him straight up. Let the analysis happen for guys like me. Let the analysis happen for fans like you. But in his world, he believes, get me in that race car. Get me on that circuit. I don't care where it is. I can beat Verstappen straight up. He said he'd be the world championship leader right now if he didn't have the problems in Australia. He was right, and we will see in Miami if the king of the streets can win on another street circuit. All right, enjoy the Grand Prix. If you are listening to me in the United States, 
Uh, it's great to be able to sleep in and catch a Formula One race. So enjoy it because I know we all get up at pretty early in the morning, 6 a.m. for me in Nashville, Tennessee, to watch in Azerbaijan last weekend. So this will be an afternoon start. So we get to sleep in a little bit on Sunday. I'll be back next week with a review of the Miami Grand Prix. Thank you. And again, please subscribe. Please leave us a five-star review. I'm Tony Naziri. This is the Overtake F1 Podcast.